listen to the best of the church's music for the season of Lent at LutheranPublicRadio.org. Sacred music for the season of Lent, LutheranPublicRadio.org. Fonnie Willis has consented to be here with us. And so my only request from this family today is, this is a really hard job I'm trying to do. And I am an imperfect human being, but I can literally feel the people who loves me's prayers. None of us would ever say, you know, I really want to fall asleep with Sean Hannity's voice just echoing in my mind. I really want Laura Ingram and Jesse Waters to catechize me in the good, the right, the true, and the beautiful. The alternative is a we-before-me approach to marriage. And what we find is that couples who kind of really think about their marriage in terms of us and our family are more likely today to be flourishing. The new miracles today are the sacraments. Because if you go with the definition that a miracle at the time of Jesus was the creator, come to his creation to set it free, That's what Jesus does in the sacraments. Missouri dairy farmers love issues, etc. Well, there's no doubt that the Democratic Party, and let's be honest, we're really talking here about the Democratic Party when we describe abortion supporters and the advocates for legalized abortion. No doubt that they see an opportunity going forward, at least in the short term, to make political hay with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. How long will that opportunity last? Welcome back to Issues Etc., coming to you live from the studios of Lutheran Public Radio in Collinsville, Illinois. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. Dr. Michael New will join us to talk about a pro-choice strategy for the 2024 elections and some of his thoughts on the Conservative Political Action Conference, CPAC, Pastor Andrew Packer will be alongside. We'll talk about worshiping with the church triumphant. Then Dr. Adam Coons joins us for a conversation about finding hope in difficult times. Dr. Michael New is visiting assistant professor of social research and political science at the Catholic University of America, senior associate scholar at the Charlotte Lozier Institute, Paige Comstock Cunningham fellow with Americans United for Life and a columnist for National Review Online. Dr. New, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Much appreciated. Why do abortion supporters see... 2024 and the issue of abortion as an opportunity? Well, a lot of supporters of legal abortion feel the Democratic Party at least beat expectations in both the 2022 elections and the 2023 elections. And they think the reason why they beat expectations was because they emphasized their stance in favor of legal abortion. So they think that public opinion shifted. They think that people who support legal abortion are more likely to vote for candidates who do support abortion, and hence they want to see Democrats continue to emphasize, prioritize this issue. They think it will result in some election victories in 2024. Where and how is abortion on the ballot in the various states in 2024? Well, it looks like abortion is going to be on the ballot in 12 states, and these are ballot propositions that would typically put legal abortion in state constitutions. And it's in a wide range of states. Uh, Abortion will likely be on the ballot in some very liberal states, like Maryland, where I live, and New York. It'll be on the ballot in some swing states, like Florida and Arizona, and also in some conservative states, like Arkansas and South Dakota. What disagreement is there within the pro-abortion community about how to spend their money, to put it bluntly, in 2024? 
Well, the sports of legal abortion have a lot of financial resources, but the resources are not unlimited. And they're deciding, do we want to invest in candidates that support legal abortion, or do we want to invest in these ballot propositions? And the one thing there's a lot of disagreement about is whether or not to fund campaigns in conservative states like Arkansas and South Dakota. And if you read the media coverage, you know, they claim they don't like the way these ballot propositions are worded. They think they're, in a sense, too conservative and that these ballot propositions in these conservative states should legalize abortion until later stages of gestation. Personally, I just think they realize that some states, conservative states, they just can't win. People are not going to support abortion on demand in a state like Arkansas. So again, there's kind of divisions within among abortion supporters about whether or not they should invest significant financial resources in conservative states like Arkansas, like South Dakota. Do you expect abortion to win in 2024? I think we'll certainly win in the blue states. We'll do our best here in Maryland, but I not optimistic. You know, I think the proposition will pass in Maryland. I think it will pass in New York. I would also not advise pro-life groups to invest heavily in trying to win these campaigns. Abortion will remain legal in Maryland and New York almost no matter what. So I don't really see that as a good use of resources. But I do think some of these state campaigns are winnable for pro-lifers. In Florida, because of the way the Constitution's written, supporters of legal abortion are going to have to get 60%. That's tough to do. In states where pro-lifers have invested heavily in opposition campaigns, we've kept our opponents under 60. So I think there are some opportunities for pro-lifers to win in 2024. Once these several ballot measures are decided one way or the other, does abortion fade as an issue that works in the Democratic Party's favor? That's hard to say. I think on, on one hand, if they feel that emphasizing abortion will just generate favorable turnout numbers, they may keep emphasizing it. That said, I think there's going to be some buyer's remorse in some of these states. I think that in many cases, uh, these propositions are going to undermine pro-life laws that are popular, including parental involvement laws, including waiting periods. In some cases, they may require taxpayers to pay for elective abortions through the state Medicaid program. So they may run a steam. They also eventually will run out of states. Not every state has direct democracy. So it's really hard to say, depending on the results in 2024. And I do think the pro-lifers will start to perform better in these ballot propositions, and that may make them less attractive to supporters of legal abortion. Turning to our other subject, what is CPAC? CPAC is the Conservative Political Action Conference. CPAC has taken place in Washington, D.C., typically every spring since 1974. When he was president, Ronald Reagan spoke at CPAC as a presidential candidate. Uh, Reagan spoke at CPAC. Typically, it attracts thousands of attendees, both Beltway political professionals and conservative activists from across the country. So it's a big, well-attended conservative conference. Republican presidential candidates typically come and make speeches and presentations there. It's kind of a big melting pot for kind of right-of-center activists. Some have said that this year attendance was down. Is that true? Officially, CPEC says that they had better attendance this year than 2023. I'm skeptical of that. Again, it took place over three days, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Thursday attendance seemed kind of sparse, but that said, the college students have not arrived yet, and people have work responsibilities. There was certainly a large and enthusiastic crowd for President Trump on Saturday. So you know, it's, it's hard to say, but just eyeballing the crowd, it did seem like it was a bit down from previous years. 
Why was the live issue missing, especially with like keynote speakers and panels at CPAC in previous years? Yeah, it was interesting. This year was the first time since 2021 the CPAC devoted a panel specifically to sanctity of life issues. They didn't do so in 2022 or 2023. Hard to say why that was. Partly, I think the pro-life groups just didn't invest in CPAC the way they had in years past. And when the Beltway nonprofits don't invest, sometimes there's just less interest in hosting panels on this issue. That said, I was glad to see that CPAC did host a pro-life panel this year. Penny Dance of Concerned Women for America spoke, as did Brandy Swindell of Seton Healthcare. It was moderated by Abraham Enriquez of Bienvendo, which is a group that does kind of conservative outreach to Hispanics. So there was a solid, lively panel this year, you know, which was appreciated. One of the things that CPAC is famous for is its straw poll. What were the results this year? Well, CPAC in recent years has become very much a Trump rally of sorts that used to become more ecumenical, but this year tends to attract a lot of people who are very devoted, very loyal to President Trump. So the results of the CPAC straw poll were not a surprise. Donald Trump defeated Nikki Haley by a 94 to 5 margin, uh, which is pretty resounding. So that really does show that keep my Nikki Haley is getting low 40s in New Hampshire. She got a high 30s in South Carolina. There are all Republicans, conservatives who are skeptical of Trump, but those voices really were not heard at CPAC. Again, this has become a very Trumpy gathering. The vice presidential straw poll was also interesting. No real consensus about who President Trump should pick as his VP. Chris Nome, who is the governor of South Carolina, she got 15% in the VP straw poll, tying for first with Vivek Ramaswamy, presidential candidate. He got 15%. Coming in third was actually Democrat Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard. She got 9%. She spoke at CPAC. And tied for fourth was Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina and uh, Congresswoman Elise Stefanik. Each got 8%. So a lot of Candidates were of interest to people as far as being a VP, uh, but no consensus among attendees as to who the VP nominee should be for the Republicans. Is CPAC's influence waning? To some extent, I think it might be. I mean, CPAC, again, used to be a real kind of melting pot where you had kind of economic conservatives, social conservatives, national security conservatives all kind of gathering to debate things. That really wasn't the case this year. I mean, it seemed there was a lot more uniformity. Pretty much the speakers and panels were all in favor of President Trump. There was kind of a rival conference, uh, Principles First, that was kind of organized by friends of uh, Bill Kristol of the Weekly Standard and now the Bulwark. I don't know what their attendance was like, but they had a pretty impressive lineup of speakers as well. So conservatives, Republicans were skeptical of President Trump had another conference they could attend. So again, I don't think CPAC is really as unifying as it used to be. It seems that it's become kind of a mouthpiece for people who support President Trump, and maybe there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But there are certain conservatives who don't feel represented, who may feel left out. And again, as a result, it may not be as influential as it once was. Dr. Michael New is visiting assistant professor of social research and political science at the Catholic University of America, senior associate scholar at the Charlotte Lozier Institute, Paige Comstock Cunningham Fellow with Americans United for Life and a columnist for National Review Online. You can read his columns at our website, issuesetc.org. Click Talk On Demand Archives. Dr. New, thank you. Thanks for having me. Much appreciated. When we come back, we're going to talk about worshiping with the church triumphant. Pastor Andrew Packer will join us. He's written a column called Democracy of the Dead. Stay tuned.
Listen to the best of the church's music for the season of Lent at LutheranPublicRadio.org. Sacred music for the season of Lent, LutheranPublicRadio.org. The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod's Life Ministry cares for pregnant women sharing the love of Christ. Listen to Pastor Ed DeWitt with Redeeming Life Outreach Ministries. One of the first residents we had said to me, Pastor, why do you do this? And I said, just stick with me through this class. And when we're done, you'll understand completely. Many of the women, as they go through the instruction, when we get to that part about baptism, they're like, Pastor, I want that for my baby. I want my baby to be adopted into God's family. God's mission here, lcms.org slash national mission. Contending for truth in an age of anti-truth. You're listening to Issues Etc. The way we as Christians view history is going to be different from how non-Christians view history. As a Christian, you already know what history is about. Jesus coming to save you. So wrote Molly Lackey in her inaugural article, for Our Great Heritage, a new series at the Lutheran Witness online website on the history of the Lutheran Church and great historical figures in our history. To learn more, visit witness.lcms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. At Memoria Press, the Simply Classical curriculum is specifically designed for students with significant learning challenges. This complete program includes everything you need for a school, self-contained classroom, tutoring, or homeschool to make a classical Christian education accessible for any child. To learn more, visit us at simplyclassical.com and use the coupon code LPR24 at checkout. Simply Classical, a beautiful education for any child.